I'm going to talk about the abundant life this morning. And I was praying, because when you talk about the abundant life and that God's called us to an abundant life, sometimes that can be a bit, like, it's a big subject. And I look at my life, and I look at what God's called me to do, and I'm like, should I be the one preaching about abundant life? I've experienced his abundant life, and there's times where, where I've experienced things that are way beyond what I've experienced before. But as, I, as I've started to go th- through it, and I was like, okay, God, you want me to speak about abundant life? And I couldn't come up with words great enough to, ex- to, to talk about the experience of abundant life. And I was reminded of a quote by Corey Ten Boom that I want to start, w- start out with that I think is pertinent to this. She said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. I want to read that again. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. If you don't know Corey Ten Boom, that can sound like a cliche saying. It can be like, okay, that's cute but let's, let's have some real life. But if you know Corey Ten Boom, you know that she was in a concentration camp, that her sister was murdered in that concentration camp. And, and so when she's saying this, it's not from this cliche first world problem thing, like, oh, I'm feeling, feeling a little depressed today because uh, my maid can't come in. She's coming from a place of being in the worst circumstances possible. And, he's say, and she's saying, in the midst of that, if I look at the, this world, I'm going to be distressed. If I look at myself, I'm going to be depressed. But if I, I look at God in the midst of that, I can be at rest. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for everybody that's here. Thank you that you have called them to abundant life. Lord, let us not settle. Our hearts are open to your word this morning. Thank you, and we praise you, and we pray all this in your mighty name. Amen. So where we get the phrase abundant life is John 10.10. It says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This is Jesus talking. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So we learn from this verse there are two people coming at us with competing visions for our lives. The thief to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus to give us life and life more abundantly. I like this one a little better. But those are the choices we're with. And I was... I was praying about this, and I was talking to, to Tony because I was telling her about how I was feeling of just like, man, I, I don't know how to talk about the greatness of this abundant life. Uh, she was like, think about Val. And I was thinking about Val's memorial service. For those that don't, don't know, Val, uh, Val was a key member of this church. If you, if you go to this church, she's prayed for you, and she's prayed intensely. And... 
I got to know Val later on in life when her body was not keeping up with her passions. Like, her body was breaking down, but she still had, a, she still had life. And as I was preparing for the memorial service and talking to people and in and, and hearing at the memorial service, I actually got, like, there, there was a weird, weird feeling I got because I thought I was Val's, I was, I was her special person when she got older. Like, I was, I was like, we have, we have these connections. She's passionate about this, 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 and we talk about it. But I realized everybody that came up, they said, Val's passionate about this, 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 this. And because here's what Val did. Val loved life. And, and so she had tons of passion. So she found people and said, okay, the, you have this passion. Josh, you have this passion for children and broken children. Hey, we're going to talk about this. And I'm going to make you feel like the most important person in my life. But, but she did that with everybody. And Val was not perfect. But it was something to where I, I looked at her and I said, okay, this is someone who's, whose body was breaking down. But in the midst of it, there was a life. And I am really thankful for Val in, in our lives because for those of you that don't know, I have two amazing new daughters that, that we've gotten in the last year. And they're my, they're my nieces too. And Val was one of the people who prayed. My sisters had a lot of struggles. And there were times where we were worried for uh, when Faith was little, Adea wasn't around yet. And there were times where we were really worried for Faith's safety and Val. Val was one of the people that stood, <laughs> stood with us. And she was one of the people that, like, because there's people who say, I, I'll pray for you. And then you don't ever hear from them again. And, and Val would actually check back in. How's your sister doing? How's, how's Faith doing? And so Faith was at the memorial service. And because of when Faith came and where Val's health issues, Faith didn't really get to know Val. And she said, it's kind of weird being at a memorial service. I don't know. And so I told her that story of, hey, well, actually, you're here because of Val. And she's like, how, how long do you think Val prayed for me? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> she said, Could it, did, has she ever prayed more than 10 hours in a day? And I said, yes. So I say that to say that it's when we're, when we're talking about abundant life, and I'm going to go into what the detail of it is, but I think of Val. I think of Larry Robbins. For those that don't know, that's another member of our church that passed away recently. And, and Larry Robbins had a simple life. Like at his memorial service, it was during COVID times. that, And the stories actually got boring at his memorial service because everybody kept saying the same thing. And it was, it was this. It was like, Larry loved me. Larry believed in me. Larry would ask me, am I loving my wife like Christ loved the church? Larry would send me texts at 10 o'clock at night of cantaloupe and ice cream. <laughs> In all caps. And I had to remind myself that Larry was not angry with me. <laughs> Larry would accidentally get in fights on Facebook because uh, he'd, he'd respond in all caps and people would think he's angry. <laughs> But I look at, I look at those, those two people, and it's, their lives were not perfect. But something about both of them, up until the week of Val's death, 
There were things that week that she was letting God do in her. And, and Larry was that same way. And so that abundant life, that, that life that was overflowing that went to us, that was from their relationship with God. So we have the choice. Thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Uh, what is life? I really like that word. It's Zoe. The, the Greek word for life is Zoe. We named my daughter after this verse. It's the state of one who is possessed with vitality. The, it's the absolute fullness of life. It's the blessed life. It's the God life. So, like I said, we named Zoe after that verse. There, that's her there. And if you know Zoe, Zoe lives out that, that word. She loves life. She can take a piece of cardboard and she will fall in love with that piece of cardboard and it will be the greatest thing in the world. She will also, she tells jokes all the time. And like this, she was cracking up because uh, there was some, some joke about bags that I forget what it was. It was a horrible joke. Because she tells jokes all the time and they're horrible. <laughs> like she'll go, knock, knock. I'll go, who's there? Dinosaur. Dinosaur who? Dinosaur poop. And, and, <laughs> and then, and then I'll, I'll look at it and I'll start like, and she'll just start laughing. And, she's, <laughs> she's like, ah! and, and, and all of a sudden the whole room is laughing. So when I, I, when I look at, when I think of life, I think of it, there's this fullness of joy that there's, there's a fullness that we can look at those who, we can look at the Vals and the Larrys, and we can look at the Zoes and the Leahs and the young people, and, and God has that for us. But Jesus, Jesus didn't just come that we could have life, Zoe, which that's, he said, that's fullness of life. So he said, hey, I've come that you could have fullness of life. So you think that he wouldn't add to that. Because fullness, it's, you're, you're full. He says, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And that word abundantly means super abundant. It means excessive. It's beyond a measure. It's exceeding abundantly above. So why does he say, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly? Because he wants our lives to be beyond full. He wants us to have joy overflowing. Peace that permeates a room. He wants us to have total freedom. That we're through our testimonies. Like how many of you guys were blessed by Rod's testimony last week? Through our testimonies that there's an overflowing freedom that doesn't just go into our life but spreads into other people's lives. He wants us to have a life like Val's. We're going to be seeing the answers of Val's prayers for years to come, for generations. He wants us to have a life that goes beyond our time on earth, even. I think he also does this because he takes us from glory to glory. He says that, I want to give you life and that more abundantly. And there's a temptation to settle or to think that we've made it. 
when, he get, when we get some new freedom in our life, when we get to a new place of joy, when we experience his love in a brand new way, there's, there's a temptation to go, man, life has been so bad up to this point. I'm just going to be thankful that I have. I, like, man, I had the salvation experience where I was washed clean by his blood, like that I w- where I was saved, I was, and I feel free. And we can go, okay, I, I'm good to wait to heaven for any more blessings. But he says, I want you to have an abundant life right now. I want to mention real quick two things that the abundant life is not. It's not the abundance of good circumstances, and it's not the abundance of riches. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future. And this is the important line. So that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Meaning riches is not life. Luke 12, 15, Jesus says it even stronger. He says, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And that word abundance is the same thing as the abundant life. So sometimes we can go, if my circumstances change, if I just have more of this, if I just have more of that, if I had the money that my neighbor had, then, uh, then I would be good. But Jesus is saying, I want to give you a life that isn't dependent upon circumstances. That you can be in a concentration camp and still have joy. This does not mean that God does not bless us materially sometimes. I can tell a lot of stories about God, how God has blessed us and rescued us out of financial situations that we shouldn't have been in to begin with, or, or, and just give, giving us things. There was one time we, we had this $250 come up that we had, had to come up with. We had no way to get it. it. Looking at it, we looked over and we were like, man, we can't, but we needed to pay, and we, we prayed, and and we were just, we'd been struggling for quite a while. And, and we, were, we were praying, and, and we are like, God, please give us this $250. Like, what? he never did. But a weird thing happened that, that night, because we'd been praying, we stressed over it, we, we were just talking about things, and we are talking about being content in every circumstances. And Stacey's like, I'm struggling being content right now. Because there's, there's some things that I, I wanted for my life, and I'm giving them to God. And she's like, it's silly. Like, I've always, I always wanted a sleigh bed. I, I haven't thought, like, I'm not asking for things like that. I just want this $250 so we can have groceries. <laughs> and so the next day, we're, we're waiting on God expectedly, and we're, and we're still trying to figure out things. We ended up having to rob Rob Peter to pay Paul and like and, and figured things out and put something on the credit card. Then late in that day, she gets a call from a friend of hers and says, "We have a sleigh bed, and and I and we we don't we don't want it, uh, and I was just gonna sell it, but I felt like I should call you, and and ask if you wanted it." That really spoke to us that God was like, "The things you're worried about, the things you think are gonna make you happy." I'm not worried about those things. 
but I do care about you. And that was the thing that he, he spoke to us. And so in other times when we've had those financial struggles, it's like, remember the sleigh bed. God's going to take care of us. He cares. But if that sleigh bed broke, breaks, which it did, and uh, we fixed it, but it was like, whoosh, <laughs> I'll still be happy without a sleigh bed. It'll be hard. I have to do a lot of praying. You guys could I'll come forward. You guys can pray for me. He wants to give us that fullness of life beyond measure that is not dependent upon circumstances. If I just had more money, if I just had friends, if, if things just weren't so hard, sometimes we can walk out a form of deistic moralism, which basically says if, God, if, if I do good enough, God will change my circumstances. If I do what God wants, then he will do what I want. If I have enough faith, nothing bad will happen. And I think that's why a lot of people fall away. They say, God, I followed you. I gave up this, 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 this. And when it came to what I wanted, you didn't give it to me. They're not falling away from Jesus. They're falling away from a false religion. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. John 5, 39 through 40 says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So you can come to church, you can read scriptures, but are you coming to Jesus? John eleven twenty five 25 says, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 17, 3, this is eternal life. This is Jesus talk, talking in a prayer to God. This is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus is the abundant life. Abundant life is only found in a relationship with him. Moses knew this. When he came down from Mount Sinai and the Israelites had made a golden calf, this is what God said. In Exodus 33, 1 through 3, it said, The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. So he's saying, I'm going to give you all the promises that I said. I'm going to give you this land, but I'm not going to go with you. And they're in the wilderness. They have no home. And this is how Moses responds. He says, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. God was offering the promised land. It was everything the Israelites were waiting for. Moses, by doing this, wasn't just letting himself down from the promises of God. He was, saying, he was putting all the people that he led, having it to where they could not go into the promises of God at that, that moment. 
But he said, if you don't go with me, I'm not moving. Moses said, I would rather be in the wilderness with your presence than to have all of your promises without you. Moses knew where true life was found. And Jesus comes to us with that same gift daily, moment by moment. I've come that you might have life. Anytime that there's a circumstance you're in, if you step your foot in a circumstance, Jesus is there with you trying to bring life, an abundant life, to that circumstance. Sometimes that's calming the storm. Sometimes that's calming the people in it. Yet we have another choice. It says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So between those choices, it seems like an easy choice. In this corner, Satan. Hey, I'm coming to steal, kill, and destroy everything in your life. You, your soul, your relationship with God, and all your other relationships. Follow me. In this corner, Jesus. I've come to give you a fullness of life that is so great that not only could you not imagine it, but you won't even be able to measure it when it comes. In Deuteronomy 30, 19, it says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. But we have all been given that choice, and there's all, t all of us at some point in our life have chosen death over life. Why? Because we can be stupid and Satan is a good salesman. He has come, his purpose in life, his vis life vision is steal, kill, destroy. And he's been doing it a very, very long time. Let's go back to the beginning to see how he works. In Genesis 2, 9, says, and out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So there's two trees, two choices. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. So God is saying, I gave you all this to enjoy, all these trees, except this one. If you eat of this one, you're going to die. So it's pretty cut and dry. No confusion. In Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field, and the Lord God that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and there was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, 
And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together to make themselves loincloths. Eve was walking in the abundant life. They had face-to-face encounters with God. Yet both her and Adam gave it up for a cheap counterfeit. Satan knew where her source of life came from. His vision was to steal from that from her so he could kill her, bring death to her family line, and destroy as many people as possible. So how does he rob Eve of her life? First, by getting her to question the author of life. Did God actually say? Did God actually? Second, overemphasizing what she was missing out on. Because he said, did, did God actually say not to eat from any tree in the garden? He's, he's not saying, did, he's saying beyond what, what God said. God said not to eat from one tree. He's like, is God really, God's, God's holding out on you. Third, getting her to question the negative effects of making the choice. He said, you will not surely die, which looks like it was true because they didn't drop dead. Just like if you cut off a branch from a tree, it still looks just as alive, but it's been cut off from its source of life. What he successfully did was cut her off from her source of life. He got her to question God's motives. He said, God knows. And then he got her thinking about the positives. Your eyes will be opened. Which was true. It says her eyes were opened. But not in a positive way. Satan is the inventor of clickbait. Hey, do this and your eyes will open. And then goes there. Your eyes are open. Your eyes are open to a darkness. To that point, all she knew was good. And, and it was open to death. And her eyes were open to death, to sin, to darkness. How many of you guys have had a moment like that where, where Satan has tricked you into something to where you're like, man, the eyes, my eyes were open to something that I wish I could close them to. He got her in the mindset of needing to try things for herself. She saw that the tree, she saw the tree was desired to make one wise. Satan's vision is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he walked it out perfectly with Eve. He has vision to walk it out with you. And he will do all he can to. He'll get you to question the word of God over your, your life. Did God actually say you were forgiven? Did God actually say that this was a sin? Did God actually say to forgive that person? No. Did, does God actually want you to surrender everything? You can counteract this with knowing, meditating, and speaking God's word over your life. And Jesus showed us how to do that when he was tempted by, by Satan. He's going to overemphasize what you're missing out on or will miss out on. You've been praying for so long, just give up. You always screw up, just give up. Nobody cares about you. We can counteract that by finding and walking out God's purposes for our lives and facing the unfulfilled areas of our lives. 
and taking them to Jesus. He'll lie to you about the consequences of disobedience, delayed obedience, and partial obedience. Say it's no big deal. There's a time in my life, even while I was in ministry in Portland, I had a dream. I was living in hidden sin, and I had this dream. And in this dream, if you're in the 90s, you know what a Furby is. Like there was, I had this belt, and there was this Furby uh, connected, connected to the belt. And it was one of those dreams where you're watching yourself in the dream. Like you're, you see yourself and you're kind of, and, and in this dream, I, I knew watching myself that that was my sin. And there's this little Furby and he looked evil, but he was just like, and in the dream, I'm kind of going like, oh, cute little guy, get away. And I'm just not making a big deal about it. But what I'm, when I'm watching myself in this dream, this thing is getting bigger and bigger, but I'm still treating it like this little thing. It's like, oh, I mean, just get away out. Like, and, and that's the, what I was doing with sin in my life. And in the dream, it eventually got big, big, bigger. And, and I was, like, trying to yell to myself in the dream, it's going to kill you. It's going to kill you. And, and I couldn't. And in the dream, the dream ended with this monster eating me. And I, I broke up. I, I woke up shot up and went on my face. And, and I confessed to a pastor that next day. I was like, I need free because Jesus has called us to an abundant life, but the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And some of you are living in hidden sin and you're so scared about the circumstances changing around you when you share what will people think, what will people say, that, that you're not living the abundant life within. There's a podcast that I listen to, uh, and there's a handout in your bulletin about. Uh, it's called Knowing Freedom. It's hosted by Pastor Chris Hippie. Pastor Mitch has gone up there for a conference. Stacy and I, the, the marriage conference that I talked about that we went to was up there. He ends every podcast with, Jesus has created you for abundance, except nothing less. So how do we get that abundant life? giving up our life, surrender, sacrifice, repentance, taking our whole heart and letting Jesus in, letting him have everything, being willing to face our stuff with Jesus. John 12, 24 through 26 says this, truly, truly, I say to you, and, and when, when a word is repeated twice in the Bible, that's like an exclamation mark. They didn't have exclamation marks in that time. So a repeating, it's not like truly, truly. It's like truly, Listen to this. I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life, and that life, it's not talking about Zoe life. It's talking about psyche. It's talking about breath. It's talking about the vital force which animates the body. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world, we'll keep it for eternal life. Zoe, fullness of life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. I went on a ministry trip to the Philippines when I was a young leader, and I have a huge fear of heights. I've gotten better with it, but back then it was really, really bad. And 
the, the ministry we went to had a ropes course. It was a leadership training thing, and, and we got to do it. We, and we brought a lot of interns from the church I was at then. And the leaders didn't have to do it, but I felt like, hey, as a leader, I need to go up and do this. And so they had this log, that, and I'm not good with numbers, so I'd, I, may, I don't know how high it was up there. I think it was 100 feet. That may, that may be, don't quote me on that. It was high. It felt like a thousand miles. So on this, you go up, you have a harness, and you get up, and then there's a log that you just walk out, like you walk across the log, and you get to the middle, and you jump off. I was like, okay, I have a harness. They had real, like it was, it was set up good. And I'm like, okay, I got this. I, I went up the ladder, and I'm like, I'm not looking down. That's my, my goal. If I don't look down, if if you look, if you look at the world, you'll be depressed. <laughs> I, I'm setting my eye on Jesus right now. <laughs> and so I get up this ladder, and there's this big pole that it, it's on, and I get I get on there and I get I get to the log and I go to step on the log and I look down. And and then I put my other foot on the log and then I hug the post. <laughs> and and I freeze. I am frozen. People are cheering me on because you're supposed to cheer people on. Pastor Josh, you've got this. You've got this. Go, go. And the cheering stopped after a while. <laughs> and there was just kind of like a, are you going? <laughs> and, and finally, the, one of the leaders of the ropes course said, where you are is the most dangerous spot. The, the rope can get tangled on there. You can hit your head. You need to get out from there. That did not help me. <laughs> that guy should not be a hostage negotiator or something. <laughs> and, and he's like, you need to go. And then I start, I start, yeah, I'm out of my mind at this point. And I'm just yelling, I can't. Each time he says it, and then he stops saying it. And I just keep yelling, I can't, I can't. And, and I'm not, I know like, I'm not even thinking how I'm embarrassing myself because I am so terrified. Because I had this thing that felt like security to me, but it was the thing that was the most dangerous. And finally, I prayed. I prayed in tongues. I think I got new tongues while I was up there. <laughs> and finally, like, I... I, I let go, and I take that first step, and you know what happened? It was awesome. Like, I, t I took a step, and, like, and I, like, I started running across it because I felt the harness. Once I was able to go across, because where I was at, they couldn't pull the harness tight because of the way it was set up. I had the harness. Once, once I got out there, I felt I, was, I felt the support. I felt the light. And so I, I went, I ran, and I, like, and I got to the middle, and I didn't even wait. You're supposed to wait. Like, I was just so jacked and excited. I, like, I just jumped off. <laughs> and I, I say that story because how do we get the abundant life? It's by letting go of the lies of the enemy that we've been holding on to for so long. And taking that first step. 
So some of you, you've never felt the life of God. Maybe you've been in church, but you've never, you know a lot about God, but he said, you search the scriptures thinking they'll bring you life, but you refuse to come to me. There's some of you that have not surrendered your life to God, and I'm telling you, today is the day. There's some of you that have surrendered your life to God in that first time, and, but you, you've believed the lie that it's just a one-time thing. He comes every day. Every day we have that choice. In everything in your life, there's going to be things he's calling you to. Unless you are perfected, which if you're perfected, come talk to me afterwards. I'll talk to your spouse or your parents, and, and, and we'll get you figured out. But unless you're perfected, there's still he's still taking you from glory to glory. So don't settle for where you're at. Well, things are the best they, they are. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to do this. Uh, if I confess this sin, if I, if I take this step out in obedience, what's going to happen? What's going to happen is God's harness is going to be there, and you're going to experience abundant life in a way that you never have. So I want to end with, with just a call. If you're, if you're here and you'd say, there's things I'm holding on to. I'm holding on to that death. And I'm done with it. Today, I'm not going to accept. This day forward, I'm not accepting anything less than God's abundance for me in his life. If that's you, just right where you're at, I want you to stand up. And I want you just where you're at. And if you're around them, you can lay your hands on them. Uh, but just where you're at, whatever that thing is that you're holding on to, Say, Jesus, I'm letting go. Jesus, right now, we thank you. Thank you for the abundant life that you have for us. And that sometimes the road is scary to get there, but it's a small road to what you have for us. The destination is, is worth it. I pray for all those that are standing right now. Thank you for their humility for their desire to know you. I pray you'd meet them where they're at. I pray if there's people here that have not surrendered their life, I pray they would surrender it right now. If you haven't and you're, you're standing up, if you're not standing up and you haven't, how do you surrender your life? Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. You paid the price for me. You, you paid that I could be set free from this life of death. And I'm giving it to you. You give your life to him, and he'll give his life to you. If you have not done that, there's people that would love to pray with you and talk with you. I'm going to have Stacy come up to close to pray. And Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for the promise of abundant life. And right now, I just want everybody to put your hands out like this, like you're receiving a gift. And Father, I just pray that you would gift us your abundant life right now in Jesus' name. That we would receive it, that we rejoice in it, that we would open it, that we would experience every part of it. 
I pray that if there's, if there's anything that's holding us back, we would let that go and surrender it right now in Jesus' name. We praise you, God. You're so good. You promise us not just a gift, but a gift abundant and overflowing. So I ask as we go forth today that we would share our gift with others, that we would pour it out, God, that, that our overflow would splash on everyone around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, God.